Now then, in these Asiatic traditions, it is well recognized that people who get the knowledge that you're it may very well run amok. And therefore, they always couple any method of gaining this, whether it is yoga, whether it is uh, smoking something or drinking something or whatever is the method, they always couple it with a discipline. Now I know the word discipline isn't very popular these days and uh, I would like to have a new word for it because most people who teach disciplines don't teach them very well. They teach it with a kind of uh, violence as if a discipline was something that is going to be extremely unpleasant and that you're going to have to put up with. But that's not the real secret of discipline. I would prefer to use the word skill. Discipline is a way of expression. Say you want to express your feelings in stone. Now stone doesn't give way very easily. It's tough stuff. And so you have to learn the skill or the discipline of the sculptor in order to express yourself in stone. And so in every other way, whatever you do, you require a skill. And it's enormously important, especially for American people, to understand that there is absolutely no possibility of having any pleasure in life at all without skill. Money doesn't buy pleasure. Ever. Look, if you want to get stoned drunk and go out and get a bottle of bourbon and down it, you can't do that except for people who have practiced the distiller's art. You can't even make love without art. Where I live in Sausalito, we have a harbor full of ever so many pleasure craft. Motor cruisers, sailing boats, all kinds of things. And they never leave the dock. All that happens with them is their owners have cocktail parties there on Saturdays and Sundays. Because they discovered, having bought these things, that the discipline of sailing is difficult to learn and takes a lot of time. And they didn't have time for it, so they just bought the thing as a status symbol. So, in other words, um, you, you can't have pleasure in life without skill. But it isn't an unpleasant task to learn a skill. If the teacher, in the first place, gets you fascinated with it. There is immense pleasure in learning how to do anything skillfully. To make carpentry things, to cook, to write, to calculate, anything you want. It can be immensely pleasurable to learn uh, the discipline. And it is completely indispensable. Because, look, you may be a very inspired musician. I am not a, a musical technologist, you see, and I regret it, but I'm a word, word technologist. But I can hear in my head all kinds of symphonies and all kinds of marvelous compositions, but I don't have the technique to write them down on paper and share them with somebody else. Too bad. Maybe next time around. <laughs> But you see, so far as words are concerned, I can express ideas because I have studied language. And I have worked very hard. Uh, not that I didn't like it, I intensely enjoy the work of writing a book. Although it is difficult. But it's fascinating. To say what can never possibly be said. 
So, uh, do you see what's happening? What you have to do, you have inspiration, but then you have to have technique to incarnate, to express your inspiration. That is to say, to bring heaven down to earth and to express heaven in terms of earth. Of course, they are really one behind the scenes. But there's no way of pointing it out unless you do something skillful. You see, we are all, at the moment, absolutely in the midst of the beatific vision. We are all uh, one with the divine, or some... I don't like that sort of wishy-washy language. But we are all there. But we are so much there that we're like fish in water. They don't know they're in water. Like the birds don't know they're in the air because it's all around them. And in the same way, we don't know what the color of our eyes is. I don't mean whether you've got blue or brown eyes, but the color of the lens of your eye. You call that transparent. No color. See, because you can't see it. But it's basic to being able to see anything. So in order to find out where you are, there has to be some way of drawing attention to it. And that involves skill. Upaya in Sanskrit. Skillful means. So, it's all very well. Anybody can have ecstasy. Anybody, as a matter of fact, can become uh, aware that he is one with the eternal ground of the universe. But since that's what you are anyway, I'm going to ask, so what? When a hero goes on an adventure and he leaves his people and is going to a strange land, he can go away and just hide himself around the corner in an obscure house and then appear a year later and say, I've been on a heroic journey and tell all sorts of tales. And they say, prove it. Because they expect him to bring back something, something which nobody has seen before. Then they believe you've been on a journey. And so in the same way, exactly, anybody who goes on a spiritual journey must bring something back. Because if you just say, oh man, it was a gas. <laughs> can say that. Now this is why in the doctrines of Buddhism there is a differentiation between two kinds of enlightened beings. They are both forms of Buddha, which is to say the word Buddha means somebody who has awakened, who has discovered the secret behind all this. And in other words, all this thing we call life with its frantic concerns is a big act which you, in your unconscious depth, are deliberately setting up. So you can do one of two things when you discover this. You can become what's called a Pratyeka Buddha. That means a private Buddha who doesn't tell anything. Or you can become a Bodhisattva. A Pratyeka Buddha goes off into his ecstasy and never is seen again. Bodhisattva is come, one who comes back and appears in the everyday world and plays the game of the everyday world by the rules of the everyday world. But he brings with him upaya. He brings with him some way of showing that he's been on the journey, that he's come back, and he's going to let you in on the secret too. If you, if, 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 you'll play it cool and also come back, to join in the everyday life of everyday people. Because this is the rule. If the world is dramatic, 
if the world, as the Hindus say, is a big act put on by the divine self. One of the rules of coming on stage is that you don't come on as yourself. You come on as the part that you're going to play. It's very bad form if an actor always acts the same way. That's what's called a star, as distinct from an actor. <laughs> a real actor can become anything. And so, but in private life, well, he's just Mr. Jones. And, but he doesn't come on the stage that way. So in the same way, if you know that behind the scenes, in the depths, fundamentally, you are it, you don't come on that way. It always comes on as something else. That's the rule of the stage. Because without that, there wouldn't be a play. There would only be reality. No illusion. And the whole point of life is illusion. From the word Latin, ludere, to play. Showbiz. The show must go on, so don't give it away. But the truth has a way of leaking. It gets out. But then the important thing is, you see, when the truth gets out, those who catch hold of it must find a way of staying in contact with what society calls reality. That is to say, if you have a radio, you don't only need an antenna, you also need a ground. So what happens in the world of mysticism, of uh, psychedelic visions and so on, needs to be grounded. So then there are always two uh, directions in which such a discipline works. One, preparatory. In other words, those who taught disciplines for awakening in the Orient were always careful to screen, first of all to screen those who applied, and then after screening them, to uh, make them sensible so that they knew how to handle the game and, of ordinary human existence and play it by the ordinary human rules. In other words, that they had strength of character and were not the sort of people who would be wiped out because they had no strength of character by an overwhelming experience. Then they let them in. But there are certain disciplines such as Zen where you get into the essential secret very early on in the discipline. And after that, they are concerned with much more training in showing you how to use it. How to use the power to use the vision which you have acquired. And so it is with the current, uh, what we will call LSD scene, that is uh, raging through the United States, uh, it unfortunately lacks discipline. And I'm not trying to say this in a kind of severe, authoritarian, paternalistic way, but only that it would be so much more fun if it had it. In other words, when people try to express what they have seen in this kind of change state of consciousness. They show five movies going on at once. 
are projected upon torn bed sheets with stroboscopic lights going as fast as possible at the same time and 11 jazz bands playing. And uh, they're going to blow their minds, baby. <laughs> and every, everybody else who hasn't seen this thing look around and say, well, it's a mess. I don't like the looks of it. Let's suppose that while you were very, very high on LSD, you looked into a filthy ashtray and you saw the beatific vision, which is, of course, the case because uh, wherever you look, if you were eye, your eyes are open, you will see the face of the divine. Then you come out of your ec ecstasy with the dirty ashtray and say to everybody, here it is. <laughs> No, there is a possibility. If you are an extraordinarily skillful painter, or even photographer, of presenting the dirty ashtray so that everybody else will see almost what you saw in it. But you will have to have a technique which will translate every grain of ash into a jewel. Because that's what you actually saw. But that requires mastery of an art. And I'm afraid uh, people think that all it's necessary to do is uh, just throw out any old thing because under that transformed state of consciousness, any old thing is the, is the works. But nobody else can see it if they haven't shared that point of view. So then, uh, this becomes for us in the United States an extremely important social problem. The cat is out of the bag. We are living in a scientific world where secrets cannot be kept. And anyone, anytime, can uh, pick up something which will short-circuit all the ancient religious techniques yoga practice, meditation, etc., etc. This is all very embarrassing, but it will happen, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, and they will see what all those sages and Buddhas and uh, yogis and uh, prophets saw in ancient times, and it will be very clear. So, you see, you can say, look at all these people who haven't seen it, this is a temptation. Look at them all going about their business, earning money and uh, grinding it out at the bank or the insurance office or whatever it is every day and how serious they look all about it and they don't really know it's a game. And you can, uh, you can cultivate a certain contempt for people like that. But it's very, very bad to do that. Because, of course, don't forget they have a certain contempt for you. You see, always the nice people in town who live in the best residences, uh, they know that they're nice because there are some people on the other side of the tracks who are not nice. And so at their cocktail parties, they have a lot to say about the people who are not nice because that boosts their collective ego. There would be no other way of doing it. You don't know that you're a law-abiding citizen unless there are some people who aren't.
And if it's important to you to congratulate yourself on being law-abiding, you therefore have to have some criminal classes, outside the pale, of course, of your immediate associates. <laughs> on the other hand, the people who are not nice, they have their parties. And they boost their collective ego by saying that they're the people who are really in. Whereas these poor squares who deliver the mail faithfully and uh, who carry on what you call responsible jobs, they're just dupes. Or when they earn their money, all they do is they buy toy rocket ships with it and go roaring around and so on. And that's, they think that's pleasure. So the people who are not nice boost their collective ego in that way. Neither of them realizing that they need the other just as much as a flower needs a bee and a bee needs a flower. So you, when you see the people who you think are not in on the secret, you, if you really understand, you have to revise your opinion completely and say that the squares are the people who are really far out because they don't even know where they started. <laughs> See, an enlightened Hindu or Buddhist looks at the ignorant people of this world and says, my respects. Because here I see the divine essence having altogether forgotten what it is and playing the most far out game of being completely lost. Congratulations, how far out can you get? So if you understand that, you, you don't start a war with people you might say are square. Don't challenge them. Don't bug them. Don't frighten them. The reason is not because they are immature, because they are babies and you mustn't scare babies. It's nothing to do with that. You mustn't frighten them because they are doing a very far out act. They are walking uh, on a tightrope, miles up. And they've got to do that balancing act, and if you shout, they may lose their nerve. See, that's what the, we call the responsible people of the world are doing. It is an act, it's a game, just like the tightrope walker. But it's a risky one, and you can get ulcers from it, and uh, all sorts of troubles. But you must respect it. And say, congratulations on being so far out. So now... This is the whole essence, you see, of seeing, if you really see into this secret, that the world doesn't contain any serious threats in it because it's all the basic you running up behind itself and saying boo to see if you can get yourself to jump out of your skin. <laughs> if you see that, be cool. That's the whole art of, uh, of Zen, you know, is, 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 is cool Hinduism. <laughs> the Hindus come on a little strong. When uh, someone like uh, Sri Ramakrishna or, uh, openly, pretty much openly announces that he's, he's the Godhead, that's a little tough. And when uh, Sri Ramana accepts the puja of all the followers and Sri Aurobindo sits every day for darshan, it's coming on a little strong. Well, the Zen people feel that that's uh, just a bit too much. And the way they come on is uh, they, uh, they're ordinary. 
And uh, they say when two Zen masters meet each, each other on the road, they need no introduction. When thieves meet, they recognize each other instantly. <laughs> So they, they don't say anything, don't make any claims. As a matter of fact, so far from making claims, all good Zen masters say they, they, don't, they have not attained anything, they have nothing to teach, and uh, that's the truth. <laughs> because uh, anybody who tells you that he is some way of leading you to spiritual enlightenment is just like somebody who picks your pocket and sells you your own watch. <laughs> Of course, if you didn't know you had a watch, that might be the only way of getting you to realize. 